Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Dublin Tech Talks, as always brought to you in association with Icon Accounting. On today's show, we're going to talk with University Limerick's uh, lecturers, Professor Titiana Margaria and JJ Collins about UL's new immersive software engineering program that will put students in residencies with some of the biggest and best companies in Ireland. It's going to be supported by agencies such as the IDA, Enterprise Ireland and tech-focused venture capital uh, firm uh, Frontline Ventures. Welcome to the show guys. Um, Titiana, do you want to introduce yourself and then JJ? Yes, so I'm a full professor of software engineering in the Computer Science and Information Systems Department in UL. And at the same time, um, I'm also a researcher and a principal investigator on a, on a number of uh, uh, SFI-funded research centers in Ireland. So education and uh, research on both sides. I, I, I lecture software architecture and machine learning in the Department of Computer Science and Information Systems at UL. Within immersive software engineering, I have the role of head of residencies and my other role is I'm course director for computing in UL. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks for introducing yourself. So just I, I reached out to you guys. I, I'd obviously seen the announcement uh, about the immersive program. Uh, it's something that for some I've been involved in the technology industry for about 15 years. It's something from day one I've heard people talk about it and it's brilliant to see that it's actually happening. Um, do you want to maybe tell us what an immersive program is and where it's come from and, and kind of how long it's actually taken to get to where it is today. Okay, so, um, okay, in my role as a co-director of, uh, of the program and course director formally, um, uh, this has been already a two years um, quest for the uh, right format and the right contents. Uh, the question has come actually from uh, giving us once uh, in a question from industry, the freedom to ask the question, how could you fundamentally change the computer science education experience for the students and in such a way that it makes a difference also for the companies? So this basically came to us, uh, to Steve and JJ and myself, as a quest for relevance. So the why, okay? How can we make uh, the, uh, the, uh, the education of the students more relevant for the companies? Uh, how can we make uh, the relevance of software, enge software engineering and computer science in general clearer to the society at large? Uh, because we think that it is still underrepresented in terms of, you know, one of the great professions that can be undertaken in the society at large. And then also going down to the individual, change the relevance of what is taught to the students at any time in their educational and professional path. So uh, the principle is actually to turn everything around um, on the head, so to say, start with a problem, start with a challenge, solve it by learning the principles, the methods and the techniques, and then evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. Brilliant. And, um, you know, I, I've mentioned before, I, I was one of the look left, look right, and you'll never see this person again in DCU back in 01. And, you know, a, co a course like this, as, as I was doing some research about it. It's about 3,000 direct ICT graduates back when the, the last stats were released and about 8,000, I'd say, actual between science, technology and maths graduates that, that come out per year. And, you know, that's not that many people if, if we look at the environment that Ireland has at the moment and especially with recent job announcements um, I think it's about 2,000 jobs have been announced in the last four months. Um, obviously, this course now won't, won't affect that, but 
uh, JJ, what, what, what do you see as the kind of advantage this course will have down the line and how this will change the teaching practices that have been probably around a bit too long? Well, there are a number of key innovations that we've introduced and they're going to be transformative and they're going to be a paradigm shift in computer science education. So just briefly to list them. Number one, we've residencies. This is a key, uh, int- key innovation. We'll talk a, a bit more about this later. It's accelerated. So you graduate with an MSc after four years. And we do that by, it's a 14-week intensive academic calendar. Third principle is uh, studio-based. So when you're on campus, you're not going to be in large lecture theatres with somebody like me standing at the top of the room talking away. You're going to be in studio-based environments, working in teams. You learn by doing problem-based learning, and you're working on real-world thorny problems. Um, and these studios become hothouses of creativity and innovation. Uh, the fourth is block-based teaching when on campus, and this is different to the typical undergraduate experience where in a semester you you were studying five subjects that are loosely related. Here we have one subject, it's a block, and covering a variety of topics that are tied together through uh, overarching projects with industry relevance, and finally integrated teaching and research tracks. Okay, and I'll I'll ask the stupid question, why does this benefit the, the teaching in this method and, and teaching in smaller classes, logically we can all know why it benefits, but what's the research say behind it? Does it include, does it create a more open environment, a more kind of inclusive environment to open up the environment to the STEM environment and, and bring more people into a perceived closed technology function? Is that the research behind Yes, so um, the evidence is uh, that um, smaller groups and more purposeful, um, you know, um, arrangement of the entire student experience, the discovery experience, the channeling of the curiosity to attack, you know, uh, tough problems, challenge problems, or problems that are tough for the students at that point, okay, so that there is a a continuous um, uh, quest for curiosity and for um, yeah, ingenuity in a certain sense in facing um, in facing solutions. That's very important. So it is uh, the entire research behind computational thinking, for example, uh, that's very strong uh, in pedagogy, uh, starting from K to twelve and going uh, going towards a continuing education as well, which is basically connected with problem solving. So the the, the quest for us is to find. Uh, uh, in collaboration with partner companies, in collaboration with research uh, centers, and with uh, with also proposals from the students themselves, projects and problems that are tough, that are uh, challenging, that basically force the students to uh, go and find uh, the tools, the methods, the principles that they need to understand in order to master them and be able collaboratively to uh, solve those projects. So it is a much more uh, team-based collaborative approach than the, let's say, mostly individual uh, or in small groups uh, based experience that students have normally. Okay, And we think that this is going to be also a culture change in the way uh, computer science is taught. And uh, to be honest, actually uh, back to the roots in a certain sense, because we used to have, uh, you know, labs. Uh, I mean, uh, my friends in Berkeley and in Stanford and so on, they almost uh, used to live in, uh, in, the, in the lab when they, when they had projects. I mean, we don't want to go to those excesses, but the point is really uh, driven by the in, 
but the curiosity of the students, um, you know, have a completely different level of participation. And this is, in our opinion, also what can change, let's say, the perception, the perception of the um, of the, the the role that this profession has in uh, in society and in education. And in relation to what's being taught, is it going to be one one course fits all, or is it going to be? Will there be a product element of it? Will there be a, a, a SaaS element? Will there be a, you know, information or like a, a cloud aspect of it? Or what way is it going to be? Is it going to be you pick, you do one general year and then you specialize or what way is it? Or is it going to be led specifically by industry or by the students or by, by the college? Well, the variability comes in through the residency. So there are five residencies and the first kicks in at the end of year one. And just a bit of background in residencies. If we look at, say, medical education, nursing and physiotherapy education, teacher education, they do residency or professional practice where they go out into the real world, work the cold face, and put the theory into practice. And we want to adopt that in computer science education. So each of our five residencies has discipline-specific learning outcomes. If you think about trainee doctors, if they do a surgical residency, they're expected to do appendectomy. If they do an orthopedic residency, expected to have done uh, a hip replacement, I assume. So likewise, we have, each of the residencies have a, a different focus. The first residency is on software engineering, DevOps tool chains, embedding into agile teams and working on real world enterprise systems. Um, the, we have a residency in software architecture, residency on UX with customer focus, etc. So because of the variety of residency hosts that we have, these provide multiple pathways where your students can get an opportunity to focus on uh, what grabs their attention, what lights their fire. And that's the main way we're going to support this variability. But within each block on, on campus, students will have the opportunity to select projects that are of interest to them that are sponsored by industry, for example. And this is another way to introduce this idea of customization. And additionally to this, the fact that they are going to work in groups, there are going to be different roles in the teams, and therefore, uh, you know, people could basically implicitly specialized on being the UI UX person or the database person or the analytics person or the project management person expert also uh, by you know just uh, playing this role in more cases uh, during their four years with us. Okay and you know there, there's perceived that ICT or engineering is a, is a high dropout rate they say that the, the higher uh, authority released stats back there 2014-15 that one in six were, were dropping out of courses, but the majority seem to have been in a, a maths engineering or computers environment. Do you feel this, this will reverse that trend because you know it's not just a CAO points application process? Do you feel you know things that you've done in the past to, to, to reduce that dropout rate you'll bring into this course and, and how you get into the course will be seen as the kind of the, the real turning point? So well. uh, shall I take that to Jada? As part of the admissions process, we require students or potential students to submit a portfolio. This is to demonstrate curiosity, creativity, outreach, for example, within their community, and also that they have a logical or structured approach. And this is a, a mechanism for which we uh, connect with the students and have conversations with them about what's involved in immersive software engineering. So 
they're making an informed decision when they're selecting this as the CEO. Secondly, within UL, we have a track record of innovative programs to support transition from second level to third level. And we currently have one called Making the Leap, a pathway to success in UL, and this has significantly enhanced progression and retention rates. And the third is the fact that we now have computer science as a leaving search subject. Granted that still not available in, in the majority of schools, but we're making pathways into that. So the combination of those three will address that particular problem. Okay. <laughs> did, yeah, did you want to add anything to that? Yes, yeah, so, so we have had experiences in uh, in the past years. I mean, I'm teaching first year. Um, uh, JJ is the course director. I was head of department for five years uh, before uh, before the, this new year started. Um, we have seen that whenever we have had uh, more integration um, in the group, in the team, so to say, in the cohort, uh, when we have had shorter blocks focused on on some specific subjects. This has actually brought uh, brought a positive, um, you know, uh, output uh, on the um, uh, on the user on the student experience and also on the outcomes. And so, uh, going to ISE basically uh, standardized standardizes that way of doing uh, education and uh, you know creating a spirit of group, a spirit of cohort instead of um, yeah the, the the large classes that are more common right now. This isn't a new idea. There's other courses around the globe that have kind of adopted this. Why has Ireland taken its time to adapt or change? Has it needed people like yourselves and the industry to evolve, kind of to mature a little bit more for, for to have enough strength and voice to be able to say this needs to change? Or has it just been a, an evolution of how education with ed tech coming more to the fore is it been a combination of all or, or what way what why have we been so slow to adapt that might be the easiest way to ask it well to a good extent it is also a matter of uh, of funding what you can afford because this way of doing things is of course much more intensive we are going to have a student to uh, to teach a ratio that is going to be very different from mm. let's say the traditional hea funded courses and I mean, we must be honest, uh, the companies are here playing a completely different role in the sense that they are uh, co-investors, okay, in the financing of the insignificant ones uh, with philanthropy and with, uh, with the residencies program, so to say, they are basically members of, uh, of, the, of the village that creates the ISE program. This is very difficult to, uh, um, to serialize, uh, you know, under the normal uh, existing funding conditions. So this is definitely one of the uh, one of the um, uh, dimensions in which this is different. Just to add to that as well, that what we have in immersive software engineering is, is unique in a worldwide context. So you mentioned Holland and Canada, and they have elements of this, but not the to uh, the totality of it. So I think what we have here is a, a unique proposition. We want students to have great fun, have a great experience through their four years. And when they graduate, they have effectively two years experience in real world settings, working in real world problems. Yeah, and, you know, that's what is needed. A business want, you know, you can see why certain businesses are investing now with the, the foresight of six years down the road. Like it's not, a, it's not a shot in the arm straight away for what we're doing. But do you, do you feel that the evolution of ed tech will allow this to be, you know, on more 
availability of online code courses or just even the, the, the acceptance of video that the course can reach out to more people. And it's not just a, you mentioned about the student um, lecturer ratio, you know, the, this is going to not be a 3000 person course where everybody qualifies from. So the numbers are still going to be pretty limited. You know, do you feel this can adapt and grow or, or what way will this kind of evolve? Well, the, um, the evolve, evolution, so to say, of EdTech, of course, uh, and also the, uh, you know, the last uh, one, one year uh, or more, so to say, we have gone through, uh, has changed the reality of education and the perception of what is acceptable and what the level of goodness, so to say, the level of quality at which we are working, all of us. So definitely uh, it is going to be easier for ISE and for other courses, in particular for ISE, uh, I mean, I'm interested in, in that one at the moment, um, to actually include uh, elements of uh, mentorship, elements of education, uh, elements of flip classroom, for example, um, by using videos, by using um, uh, you know, remote communication, et cetera, that would not have been, uh, let's say, generalized in a generalized way acceptable before. So this is definitely contributing and it is guaranteed that we are going to also include expertise from uh, the companies, the ones that are also, you know, in a different continent at all, okay, into, um, into the interaction with the students and in the participation in the projects in this way. So this is absolutely essential. And, and just for, you know, I won't take much more of your time, but the, in relation to co course sizes and different things, what's the kind of projection for 2022? Yeah. So, Tatiana, do you want to take that? Yeah. So we are going to start with a small group. So uh, probably 20, 25 students, and then uh, scaling up uh, to about uh, 75, 80 uh, along the course of four years. And the reason is actually be that because of this intensive uh, tutoring and management and monitoring, so to say, that we have also during the residencies, uh, basically we cannot scale to larger numbers in a, in a responsible way. And JJ, maybe about the, the residencies and how they... Yeah, so the residencies given that they constitute 45% of the course, so we need a large portfolio or a large collection of residency partners to work with us in that given that a student has five residencies each between three and six months during the four years. So this requires a lot of behind the scenes support, for example, for residencies industry coordinators that remain connected with students throughout every day of their residencies, et cetera. So um, scaling up this is going to require, it's, it's require a lot of significant funding. Um, and not all of that funding is available through the HEA or the government currently, hence the need for philanthropic donations and for companies to uh, sponsor residences. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a massive undertaking. I can imagine the, 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 the coordinating of ensuring people get the right places, the right, the right companies are, you know, have the right people to manage, you know, it's a, they're, they're, they're still 18 to 22 year olds going into a professional environment. It's going to be a difficult you know, the year before they were sitting in a school of 30 people. <laughs> Next, they're sitting on the scrum team going, okay, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Can I add to that, Gavin, how yeah. I, I was, I suppose, initially a little surprised how receptive companies are to that, especially if you think at the end of first year. We have the blocks designed so that students should will be capable of onboarding and embedding in a constructive and productive manner. But it's a bit ambitious uh, and yet 
companies have been very positively disposed to that, very receptive, and they can't wait to commit to it as well. So if you think about a team lead in a software engineering context, working maybe two hours a day for the first few weeks with, with a resident, and all the companies have said yes to that. Yeah. It's, it's you know, I, I've, I've been on site in, in tech companies that, you know, I, I've recruited them for years, but they're crying out for what else? Because it's a, you know, even bringing, leaving cert coding into, or computer engineering, you know, I, I mentioned this before before the, the podcast, how I spoke to a person that was in the same course I was and graduated 15 years later and still had the same type of course content. You know, it is an evolution is needed on, on how we teach. And there's so many companies out there now that are chomping at the bit to, to get involved in this, as in, you know, online coding, companies like Code Institute that have developed software to validate home education and things like that. So it's, it's you know, I, I can only see the, the positives for this, but I'm guessing, and, and I don't like finishing on negatives, but we'll try and turn it around. I'm guessing there was a bit of pushback from traditionalists who felt that this mightn't be the right way to kind of evolve ICT courses or, or how we get more graduates to market. Well, certainly, I mean, we have, we have got uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know positive feedback etc but we also have got questions so, so how are, are you going to make sure that the quality is the same how are you going to make sure that this and that etc etc so uh, this is definitely a, a matter that we are taking very seriously uh, what we know is that we, if we are connecting uh, the contents uh, to the leading edge uh, knowledge in terms of research and best practice in the companies, in companies that are forward-looking, okay, mm. we can actually give a completely different relevance of education to these students because, I mean, they join the program and they are going to go out after four years. So, I mean, an IT cycle nowadays is, uh, is less than three years, right? So we need actually to go, you know, start from today and look into the future and basically uh, also um, you know, choose the technologies and the principles and what is relevant, relevant with this uh, you know, medium to long-term um, perspective instead of uh, you know, just building on tradition. Foundations are important, but foundations that are relevant. Yeah, I, I wouldn't characterize it as pushback, Gavin. I think um, all the colleagues have been incredibly supportive and they've offered very constructive critique through elongated discussions where they've uh, brought laser focus and a detailed analysis to it. So we're very grateful for all the support we've got at, at, within the department, but also within the faculty in UL. The approvals process in UL is multi-stage. I think we counted Tiziana as approximately nine various stages you go through in order to become accredited. Uh, and at each stage, we were subject to forensic type analysis, which was very, we were very grateful for. I, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a, a game changer for, you know, down the line, my kids going to school, where they're going to be educated long-term. It's, 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 it's brilliant. And I'm delighted that it's, it's come to market. A massive congratulations to, to yourselves and, and to UL to being the, the pioneers of it. So um, no, thanks a for your time today. It was really nice getting to know more about the course uh, Titiana, JJ, thanks for your time and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Gavin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you very much. We appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. No problem. So that was Titiana and JJ Collins from um, University Limerick talking about the immersive uh, software engineering program. It's such a game changer in relation to how we teach uh, computers or engineering in third level. It's going to be a 
it, it's a real flag um, bearing moment for Ireland and how we attract talent into Ireland and how we teach our talent. Um, thanks, Mill, for the for, for listening and, and speak to you soon. As always, uh, sign up. And that was Titiana Margaria and uh, JJ Collins from University Limerick's Immersive Software Engineering Program, which goes live in 2022. Um, it's such an amazing program. It's a massive game changer for Ireland in how we teach uh, engineering computers and the, the quality of graduates that we get out of uh, our college system. If you enjoyed that, please sign up, please subscribe uh, to our YouTube, our LinkedIn and our podcast on our streaming services. Speak to you soon. Thank you.